Right, while the kids are heading out, please grab your Bible and open it up. We're going to be in Corinthians this morning. And I know we've done a couple of significantly large sections of the text, and this morning we're only going to be focusing on five verses. Um, you're going to need your Bible open to the end of chapter 9. And let's do a little bit of a recap from last week. Um, since the start of chapter 8, Paul has been talking through the freedom that he himself has that he puts a lid on, that he caps his own freedom um, for the sake of the gospel. And this morning he's actually wrapping up that argument. Um, and we had a look right at the start of Corinthians that Paul picks up this topic of leadership and who he remembers how long Paul spends at the start of Corinthians talking about leadership. Okay, awesome. Four chapters. Paul spends four chapters talking about leadership. And so what we are about to read this morning, often we will have heard, I know I certainly have heard it talked about in an isolated way, um, and sometimes we can do that, that there, that there are these kernels of truth and wisdom and the reality of Christ embedded in Scripture and we can have a look at those things um, in isolation. But when we step back and see the context in the text that sometimes something is put in, it actually illuminates a larger point. That's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's start here, probably at um, chapter 9, verse 14. We're going to read through right to the end of chapter 9, and then we're going to have a talk about it. Uh, and we'll just recap briefly what we looked at last week. So verse 14, chapter 9, verse 14. In the same way... The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel, but I have not used any of these rights. And I'm not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. We talked about that last week. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. And we talked last week about some of the uh, the strings that become attached when someone who preaches is also on a payroll. Verse 18, what then is my reward for him preaching the gospel for free? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am free, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And we talked about how Paul, in not holding on to this right, this right that he has as an apostle, actually to draw an income from the church, that is his right, he says very clearly, by not holding on to that but by stepping back, he is free to minister to Jews and to Gentiles and to different people groups. Whereas if he was drawing an income from the church, it would limit him. That's why he says here, though I am free and belong to no one. And we talked about this idea of entitlement. 
last week, stepping back from things that actually we have a right to, and that entitlement says, I'll get what I want and I don't care what it does to anyone else. But right from the start of chapter 8, Paul has been challenging the Corinthians, and we need to, to sit with this challenge as well, of going, what is something that we feel we are entitled to have, but actually if we step back from it, it sharpens the edge of the gospel in people. And when we give up our entitlement, it costs us personally, but it also increases our freedom and it extends our credibility. And we talked a few, through a, a few very simple practical ways that that can play out. So what we're going to have a look at this morning is these verses here at the end. Let's read them through and then we'll talk about them. Verse 23, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is an NIV um, and the, the brackets around those last three words there I've put in and I'll explain why in a minute. Who here has heard this passage in isolation before? I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. Yeah, and sometimes it's... It's tempting for us to read this and to go, oh, you know, Paul, Paul is pounding his body into submission for something. But when we see it in context, Paul has not finished talking about meat offered to idols. When we have a look at what started this conversation with Paul at the start of chapter 8, Paul was talking about meat offered to idols. And now Paul has spent the last two chapters talking about something that he is free to have or free to eat or free to engage with, and he steps back from that. So with that in mind, that that is kind of the overarching umbrella of what Paul is discussing here, this is how he is summarizing and returning back to that point. Here is how he is wrapping up that argument about what are we free to do. And there are two things that Paul contrasts in this passage. That he says, I do all this, all what? All this limiting of himself all this stepping back, all this not getting hold of his rights, but actually stepping back from them. He does all of that for the sake of the gospel that he may share in its blessings. And then he says, what's the blessing? The blessing is the prize, is the crown. That's why I've got them up there in blue font. That's the goal in Paul's mind. And he uses these different examples. In a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. When I used to hear this verse years and years and years ago, I used to think, um, so I've got to beat everyone else at being a Christian. And we can read it and end up going, Paul's saying, oh, you know, only one person gets the prize, run in such a way as to, to get the prize. You need to out-Christian everyone else. You need to be holier than everyone else in the room. That is not what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying when runners run, every single one of them is motivated. Every single person who runs in a race is motivated and they are motivated by the goal. And then he says their goal is actually um, 
a temporary one. The second picture then in verse 25, everyone, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Everyone who competes owns it for themselves, and they do it to get a crown that will not last. They have the goal in mind, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Paul's saying, how much more should we subject ourselves to strict training? Paul here is saying that because there is a goal in mind, we are motivated and we pay the price. Because there is a goal in mind, we are motivated ourselves to pay the price for that goal. Verse 26, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Paul says that there is something different about the way he practices his faith. Remember who he's talking to here. He's talking to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians said, can't we just eat whatever we want? Can't we just ignore that that it's having this spiritual effect on other people? And Paul here is calling them out. This argument that Paul is making to them is to say, if you are not focused, if you are someone who is running aimlessly, if you are fighting like a boxer beating the air, you're not really committed to the goal. That's the critique that Paul is bringing to the Corinthian church. Remember, Paul is talking to people who go, oh, I'm, I'm, I have the freedom to do this, I'm just going to do it. And Paul is saying, no, there's actually a better way, but it requires some strict training. It requires running in such a way as to get the prize. It requires some sacrifice on our part. I strike a blow to my body. Paul here is saying that I step back from actually eating what I want. Remember how forceful he was when he mentioned this only a few verses beforehand. Verse 13, back in chapter 8, Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. Paul is talking about the gospel as it is at work in someone else, and that he himself will pay a physical price if it's going to help the gospel be at work in someone else's life. And then have a look at the last statement that he makes here. Verse 27, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And in the NIV, it says disqualified for the prize. Um, Have a look at a bunch of different translations because the disqualification that, that Paul is mentioning here in verse 27 is actually not that he is disqualified from the faith. That is not the disqualification that Paul here is talking about. Paul here is saying that after he has preached to other people, If he himself is not focused, if he himself is not committed, then something in his own walk will undo the message that he has preached. That's the disqualification that Paul is talking about. It's not like getting kicked out of a race. So here we have these these two different things for us to sit with. This is what Paul gave to the Corinthians, and the Holy Spirit has preserved, not only inspired Paul to write this, but preserved it for us. And we are here this morning, and this is our passage of text, and there is something in this for each one of us, is to go, okay, right now, how am I running? What's my level of commitment look like? 
How focused am I on the prize and on the crown that will last forever? If I sit right now and am honest with myself and honest with the Lord and take stock of the way that I have been letting my life be shaped by the gospel, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, am I this minute kind of running aimlessly? Am I actually in the faith running aimlessly? I looked up wandering aimlessly, and there are some stupid pictures which come up online. Can you imagine this photo shoot? Sorry, I'm getting distracted for a moment. Can you imagine when they called this guy and said, oh, cool, you're a model, we want you to come, we're going to take some photos. Here, put this blindfold on, wear a suit, and they stick you in a forest and take a photo like this. Wandering aimlessly. This is not what I wanted to talk about, I just thought it was silly. What's the difference between someone running aimlessly or someone running to gain the prize? In this photo, is this person running aimlessly or are they running to get the prize? Can't really tell because it looks the same from the outside. Looks the same. My role or my job or the person next to you, their role or their job is not to look at you and point a finger at you and to say you're running aimlessly or you're running with purpose because externally other people actually can't tell. It kind of looks the same sometimes. But you know in your heart of hearts whether or not you have you have let something drift. Which of these describes the way right now that the good news of Jesus is in you and through you, running aimlessly, beating the air, running to get the prize, strict training, I make my body my slave. See, one is deliberate and one is default. One is intentional and one is a passenger, like one is active and one is passive. And Paul is putting this in here to summarize this argument about meat offered to idols. It's almost like Paul is saying, you've missed the point. The point is not, am I free to drink this drink or eat this food or do this thing? The point is, are we committed to the goal? See, it's easy for us to get crowded in with everything else and it takes our focus off the goal. Have a look here at Paul's words. So that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul knows that he could disqualify the message he has preached. This is the apostle Paul. And he is aware that if he does not stay sharp, if he does not stay active, if he does not stay in in a space which is focused on God, if he does not physically force himself to be in that space, then he himself is also likely to drift into aimlessness. That he himself is also able to drift into kind of just like a boxer beating the air and it will disqualify the gospel that he has preached. Because the gospel is Paul's focus, he structures his life around the gospel. He runs for the gospel. He trains himself strictly for the gospel. He takes authority over his own body for the sake of the gospel. And these words, inspired by the Spirit of God, written by Paul, are here because they are useful to us. 
These are useful words for us to reflect on. If we are aimless, then we must return first to the gospel as our focus. To go, actually, you know what? There's stuff in my life that I've become more passionate about than that the, the eternal uncreated son of God came into the world and died to set me free from the curse of sin and the power of sin and to restore me to right relationship with Father God and to put his spirit inside of me. It is really easy for us to end up putting our focus on other stuff. Remember when Jesus tells the parable of the sower out in the field and the seed goes everywhere and sometimes when it when it springs up in that word picture, the weeds come up. The worries of the of this world, Jesus says, and they choke it out. And sometimes that's our experience where we go, you know what? I remember being more passionate than I am right now. I remember having more perspective than I do right now. I remember measuring stuff in my life against the eternal kingdom of God. And it is worth us reflecting on the words of Paul to go, actually, how much stuff have I allowed to make me kind of aimless. There was a clear heading that I was I was directing my life in, but now that clear goal actually is is over here and I've been doing something else. I've been focusing on something else that's not eternal, but is temporary. Paul does not want his human weakness to cause him to drift from his focus and to undermine the gospel. When Paul says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, Paul is not talking about hitting the gym. Paul is talking about sacrificing something in his life that makes him comfortable, giving up something that he is free to have, that there is no law against, giving up something which which is comfortable for him in order to sharpen his focus. Paul knows that if he just sits in that freedom, that even that freedom can end up making him aimless and disqualify his preaching. I will give up my comfort in order to stay focused. It's an interesting way that Paul chooses to finish this conversation really about meat offered to idols and about the freedom that we have in the faith. So let's sit with the words that Paul has given the Corinthian church and let's ask that question for ourselves. Is there something in my life, is there something in your life which we are free to have, which there is no law against, but we know will distract us or will cause us to drift in our focus from the eternal kingdom, the eternal gospel? Is there something in our life which we're free to have and there's no law against, but you know it inclines you to drift in your focus? So let's be simple and practical. Maybe it's an app on your phone. Maybe it's a food or a beverage. Maybe it involves a screen or a relationship or a conversation. And we are free to have it. There's no law against it, but it causes us to drift.
There's, there's a fancy phrase for this, and it's goal displacement. That something can displace our goal. We lose perspective. If clearly owning and communicating the good news about Jesus is as precious to us as it was to Paul, then we have to ask the question, what am I prepared to give up in order to maintain clarity and in order to maintain focus? Paul here is conscious that he might screw up. He does not want to disqualify himself. So how real are we about going, you know what, Lord, I don't want to screw up. I don't want to disqualify the gospel I have preached to my family, the gospel I have preached to my children or to my grandchildren or to my siblings. I don't want to disqualify the gospel I have preached in my workplace. So what what are we prepared to do to hold on to that clarity? Is there something you can remove from your life? I think this is key. And this is kind of the last point, then we're going to pray and we'll sing. Is Paul is not talking about adding something to your life. Paul is not talking about something that you need to add to the long list of stuff that you are already doing. Paul here is talking about something that you take out. Something that you're allowed to do, something that you're plugged into, but maybe something which has been causing you to drift and actually unplugging that from your life. The spiritual disciplines that we hear about from early Christianity are disciplines like silence. That we take half a day and we sit and we actually go, I am not going to speak and I'm going to control my tongue and I'm not going to speak for half a day as a spiritual discipline. This is why we have fasting as a spiritual discipline. I'm going to withhold food from my body because it forces self-control to get stirred up. It helps focus. I'm going to abstain from certain foods or certain drinks or certain activities. I'm actually going to step back from something because it causes focus. So what is something very simple and very practical which you are free to have, but inclines you to drift, that maybe you need to step back from. I challenge you, if right now it is really crystal clear in your mind what that thing is, write it down. No one around you needs to see what it is. Write it down. You can write it on your hand if you want. I write stuff in my hand all the time. Um, But write it down and actually say, all right, Lord, right now, I do want to be committed and I do want to be focused. I do want to have my eyes on the prize. I do want my goal to be the eternal crown of life in your kingdom. Lord, help me to have perspective. Help me to train my mind. Help me to have control over my body because the gospel is too valuable for me to just drift. We're going to pray right now and we're going to commit those things to the Lord and then we're going to sing together. Lord God, we thank you for Paul's honesty. We thank you for kind of how raw he was with the Corinthians and how vulnerable he was, but also that we see the inspiration of your spirit in his words and that your spirit is in us, the spirit 
that stirred Paul. You, Holy Spirit, are in us. Would you, would you do in us what you did in Paul, please? Would you give us focus the way Paul had focus? Would you cause us to grow in self-control the way Paul grew in self-control? And with those things that we have written down, those things that we know cause us to drift, cause us to run aimlessly when we should be running for the prize. Lord God, we give you those things. And we ask for your strength. We ask that you would nudge us when we slip into old patterns of behavior. We ask that you would provoke us and wake us up sometimes when we are running on autopilot. Lord God, we ask for Holy Spirit focus. Lord God, we commit these things to you. We commit ourselves to you. And Lord, we ask that we would run in such a way that we would not disqualify the gospel we have preached. Lord God, I want to pray for us as a church family. If there are practices or patterns of behavior that go on in the life of this church that undermine the message of your kingdom and your great love and grace, the message of sin and salvation, then, Lord God, would this be something that is true not only for us as individuals, but for us as a church family, that we would not be disqualified, we would not disqualify the gospel we have preached, but that we as a church family would run with purpose. We ask all these things in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.